Welcome to the Realized Gains Podcast, a guide to real estate investing. Join our co-hosts, Jordan Lee and Stephen Tran, as we interview a diverse group of real estate investors, both amateur and professional. Our goal is to help you understand that anyone can invest in real estate. Tune in to hear creative strategies and learn from both our mistakes and our successes. You can find us where you love to listen to podcasts, on YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com. You know, with these properties, obviously, when you say D, like, like you know, mm-hmm. you're fixing them up. Sometimes I notice, like, things are rough outside. Like, how do you deal with, like, a culture change of a, a property? So I was taught very early on that you cannot change a neighborhood. You can change a property. Yeah. So when I'm looking for these neighborhoods, um, I have a multi-level approach. I visit the properties at three specific times. Uh, once at about 11 a.m., uh, once about 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, and then once at 2 a.m. Within those three times, I know more about that neighborhood than the local police. Yeah, I can tell you where the crime's at. I can tell you where the headaches are. I can tell you who is and isn't working because their cars are either there or they're not. Mm. Um, and with that information, that, that kind of helps me figure out, okay, is this a viable neighborhood? Um, can we actually ride it out if it's rough? But we try and stay into the C-class and like upward. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to episode 22 of the Realized Gains podcast. I'm your co-host Jordan Lee and I'm a lender that's licensed in about six states based in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, and I'm Stephen Tran. I'm a real estate agent in the state of Oregon and I'm a multifamily investor. And today we had this amazing guest. His name is Lopaka Lambert. Uh, he started out as a mail career, so basically, you know, one of those guys. Yeah, just delivering messenger. packages yeah, yeah. On, a, on a fixie bike here in Portland. <laughs> yeah, and he tells an amazing story about getting his first property, um, you know, looking into property management and then deciding that he wanted to do it himself. Yeah, he bought a duplex and wanted to, yeah, just take care of it on his own and it worked out really well for him and he was able to scale a business. Yeah, no, he, he really gets into how he built like one of the most efficient property management businesses I've ever heard. So super excited to hear about this. Hopefully, hopefully you are too. Yeah, tune in if you want to hear more. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 22 of the Realized Gains podcast. I'm your co-host Jordan Lee, uh, mortgage lender based in Portland here and I'm licensed in about 10 states and I invest in single family homes. Yeah, and I'm Stephen Tran, Oregon realtor, and uh, invest in multifamily and single family. And we have a great guest for you today. We're here with Lopaka Lambert. Hello, hello, Lopaka Lambert, a local real estate investor and property manager. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Do you mind just, you know, for our audience, giving a quick, like, introduction of, you know, how'd you get here, what got you into real estate, and and you know, your career arc, so to for speak. For sure, for sure. That's the fun part, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I got into my first property in 2014. Uh, I was a single family mm-hmm. and I was paying an exorbitant amount of rent. And my parents were like, there's no way you can keep spending that. So 2014, what were you doing at the time? Um, I was a letter carrier. I was at the post office. Oh, oh okay. A, yeah. cur- a courier? Yep. 
Yeah, okay. yeah. So I was delivering mail, slanging packages on a all fixie, day. right? Yeah, yeah. It was right. so much fun. So much. Gene, one Gene pulled up on one side. Man, it was. It was, this it was is, we're talking Portland here. Right, right. <laughs> all rain, man. No sleep. Yeah. Um. So that was the first um, purchase, and then fast forward, I got married and and had a kid, and I was concerned about the long term mm. um, effects of like you know if something happens to me, who's going to take care of the kiddos, and then there's college and these expenses. So I started looking into businesses and like what is going to last, you know, and it's like you buy a business, but then I have to run the business. Mm -hmm. And someone was like, well, try real estate. And that was when my gears got to turn in. Um, and that was about 2019 uh, when I really took it serious. Okay. So you'd had your house for a while, but you were still creating a job. Yep. 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 And I wasn't in the mindset of an investor at all. It was just, this is a way to reduce my expenses right. and let's just get into something and like have a consistent bill. Mm -hmm. um, then the duplex happened and it was like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. Right, like I know absolutely nothing. So, so about you went and you went and bought a duplex. This yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so wow. uh, after my first son was born, you know, the mindset was, what can I buy that will take care of him? You know, mm -hmm. school, college, first business, whatever, without me having to be, you know, financially on the hook. Right. Yeah. Um, and it came in the form of real estate. So we got the duplex, and um, yeah, I went to go pick up the keys from the existing property manager. And it was a horrible experience. It was, it was an absolute nightmare. Like, I'm like, there's no way, like, I'm going to let you manage my property and you don't even respect me. Right. Um, and so it, it was like, now what do I do? Hopped on Google. Well, what does it take to be a property manager? Mm -hmm. Right. Like, what are the requirements here? Yeah. Um, and it was a 90 day course at PCC or Portland Community College. For those of you that don't know, it's right. our, our local um, our local chapter here. And it that was it. It was like 90 days and you're good. Mm. Okay. Let's start. And yeah, so I went through it and, and So oh, so you took it just intending to rent out your one unit exactly. or with the mindset of like you were gonna um, no, do more. No, I wasn't thinking um it even oh, I love that. Just renting out one just unit. for me. It just, was just for me, just so yeah. I didn't get sued. Cause I'm like, right. there's no way. Like, and all, all I've had heard up to that point was, you know, tenants are gonna destroy your property and it's just a living nightmare and you're not gonna have uh, time to change toilets out because you're gonna <laughs> right. be in Hawaii. I'm like, uh, okay. Well, that sounds nice. So you're going to be yeah. in Hawaii. Right, right. That's a good problem to have, right? I got tenant complaints and I'm on an island somewhere. Yeah. Um, no, but that uh, that that's what got me in the mindset um, and how to run a business efficiently. Mm -hmm. And I realized that a lot of the horror stories that I was hearing were, um, I've coined this phrase, a shoebox landlords. Mm -hmm. uh, they keep all their paperwork in a shoebox underneath the bed, man. <laughs> There's lease agreements on the back of napkins right. and just handshake leases. Um, and so that taught me how how to run a professional business um, and you know what legally I had to be responsible for mm -hmm. um, and so yeah that that answered a lot of questions that I had but it still didn't solve me dealing with the property like on a day-to-day -day basis right uh, and then did you keep your first home yeah okay so you yep. kept that yep we kept that um, now I'm at three doors at, okay. at the time um, and yeah that, that became the focus is, did you buy this one just straight up as an investment property? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Definitely. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. The I thought, duplex. Sorry, I thought you bought it and to move into one side. No, no. The, du the duplex was purchased um, as, you know, I had to occupy it for a certain time period. Mm -hmm. um, but then it was the idea was at some point it's just going to be a rental. Okay. okay. Got it. And did you do an FHA loan? Yeah. And put yep. like, yep. what, three and a half or five percent? Um, it was three and a half percent down. And um, I wasn't actually buying in that season. Right. And what happened was Wells Fargo came around and said, hey, we have this lift grant. And if uh, you can apply on the website in enough time, you may qualify. Mm. Well, the website crashed because it was like 300,000 people. Oh, dude, that thing is so hard to yeah, get. Yeah, it was a nightmare. Yeah. And so what they said was, hey, anyone in the state, if you go and stand in line at the Expo Center, 
we're going to have uh, an opportunity for you to get access to that capital. Mm -hmm. So from midnight to 9 a.m., I stood outside in, for those of you that aren't in the Portland area, it's very Holy wet. <laughs> so it was yeah. drizzling. It was 30-something degrees, and it was out there for nine hours. And I was the 25th person in line, and everyone in that top 100 got the capital. Oh, nice. Um, and that was a $20,000 uh, grant towards that. Hey, that's and, a good hourly rate. Come on, man. <laughs> nine for nine, nine hours grand. for 20 grand. <laughs> done a lot more for a lot less. So yeah. it, uh, it it ended up working out. Um, and due to where I bought, it didn't qualify for the down payment, but it came off purchase price. So oh. it was still, you know, okay. like equity in the deal. Um, but I, then I had to go figure out, you know, down payment and sold cars and everything in my house. But I made it work, <laughs> man. I made it work. Nice. Nice. Okay. That's, that's great. And so now what... You started, you property manager. Are you still working your courier job? No, no, no. God, I got out of there as soon as I could, man. I ran out flying out of that place. <laughs> what um, was the transition? Did you like get the duplex and like just – No, no. I actually – Because that wasn't enough to cover everything. Right, right, right. I transitioned out of that job not too long after I purchased my home. Um, and then I opened my home as a foster care home. Oh, okay. So throughout that those seasons, I've provided housing to youth that, you know, the world is kind of like pushed to the side. And mm -hmm. so that's – it's been super rewarding, and um, it's definitely one of my passion projects. But uh, you know, being able to provide housing in a weird way—it was I was kind of providing housing without knowing I was providing housing. Yeah, no, totally. like house hacking with the mm -hmm. state in a sense. Yep. Yeah, and the state gives a pretty steady. Mm -hmm. rate yeah, it's a stipend. That, right? Yep. Uh -huh. Yep. Is that tax free too, or something? Or? Um, it depends on how it's structured. Okay. It, it's kind yeah. of up in the air depending on your situation. So. Oh, okay. Nice. So you were doing that, and then you were doing the duplex. Mm -hmm. And then how did you make the, the, the full transition? Um, that was kind of like the, so after we did the duplex, then I'm like, all right, I, I kind of like how this works. Right. Then I'm like, well, what can I scale up next? And then I'm on the commercial tip. So now I'm like, oh, okay, well, okay. what is it? How many doors does it take for me to replace an income if I had to? Mm -hmm. um, obviously, how many doors X the rat race, Marvin right. Kiyosaki. Mm -hmm. um, and so my number wasn't too low. And so I'm looking over like how many doors does it take to cover that? And it's about a hundred doors. Okay. So the goal now shifted from, I need to buy another property into how do I get to a doors right a hundred doors that you're managing or that you that you're renting own oh, yeah own yeah renting. or okay. control maybe okay. specific hundred that we control got it got it and so and how are you in in what way are you building those are you you said you were looking at commercial stuff mm -hmm. yeah so the, the the play with that is kind of taking the fha framework where what's the lowest we can put down mm -hmm. yeah. um and just off, offer it to other investors um and just see what makes sense you know it, it's the numbers are in the deals um, and once you make that cross from the fourplex to the fiveplex, mm -hmm. funding becomes exponentially easier to get. So I don't know if many people know that commercial loans, um, you're buying a business. Right. You're not individually qualifying your personal income to get a mortgage. It's a very different process. Um, but if as long as it you know cash flows enough, then you're you're good to go. Yeah. What are you looking at for? When you've been doing your pro formas, what are you seeing is that the minimum down payment to make those scenarios work? Um, now that we've worked with hard money lenders um, and non-QM, non-qualified mortgage lenders, um, a lot of their down payments are in anywhere from the 15 to 25% down range. Okay. Um, so and you're they, still coming in with a good Oh, yeah. Job. Yeah. You're, yeah. You still have to have at least $100,000 on a million-dollar purchase. Right. Um, but that's much easier to do, you know, when the deal makes sense. Yep. 
Can you uh, talk a little bit more about finding investors for these deals? Definitely, definitely, because it's been a traumatizing experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, it actually started uh, with the duplex. So I never really asked for anyone for money. And, and for me, I'm kind of more of a giver than a receiver. Mm -hmm. So it's very awkward for me to ask someone for anything. Um, and so I went through my phone and I had about 200 contacts. And I just sent out the same message. Hey, I'm trying to buy you know this duplex so my kid has something you know in the future. If you got 50 bucks, I wouldn't be mad. Like, is there anything that you feel comfortable contributing? Uh, I got a lot of very angry texts <laughs> back, man. It was it was interesting. And these are people that if your number's in my phone, I've done something for you at some right. point. So it's like, I've helped y'all out. Like, even a kind note would be cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's, like I said, how I ended up selling everything in my house. And I right. took TVs off the wall. I took cameras. Wait, wait. Did anyone give you 50 bucks for the 200? Oh, my God, no. Yeah, really? no, no, no. I, I had two hundred. I had two people respond. Uh, my next door neighbor, and he did help me out. There you um, go. And another family uh, member that helped me out. Okay, more than fifty bucks. Uh, yeah, they 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 both gave me like fifteen hundred bucks. Okay, so it was so it was cool. So go. I got three grand out of the fourteen thousand I needed down. So. Hey, that's that's still it a worked. Conversion. Yeah, it worked. It worked, and it gave me the motivation to be like, okay, so I just have to make sure the numbers make sense, and that kind of became like my primary. Okay. Okay, and so now, yeah. So back to Stephen, what Stephen was saying about how are you identifying investors now? for the commercial? Yeah. yeah. Now it's 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 not as complicated now because people are looking at the deals. Um, but what I found was if I can educate someone on how to buy their first duplex, okay, then when it comes time for me to purchase, well, I helped you create a hundred thousand dollars in equity in your first duplex. So when I call you, like, hey, man, I have a project that makes sense. Does it make sense to you? And so I have a couple people that I've helped get into an equity position. Um, so that's kind of people that I'm nurturing to get in position to be investors. Yeah. Um, but as far as reaching out to just general people that are already active investors, um, I use the bigger pockets forums, uh, the Facebook Messenger forums, um, and honestly, just a lot of networking. Yeah. I yeah. hate talking. Like, this is hard for me. <laughs> it is, <laughs> man. You're like, such a natural. Yeah. And so getting in front of people is tough. But after like getting over that like mind block through the duplex, it became substantially easier because now it's just like, hey, I got a deal. Like when we chatted, like, hey, man, I'm looking at, you know, here's a six flex. Like it might make sense. And, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just there's a confidence that comes with it, but you just got to be super persistent. Mm -hmm. And how do you kind of structure these deals? Like how much equity are you giving away when you're like trying to find investors? So it depends on how invested they want to be. Yeah. Um, a lot of the guys I'm meeting and gals that I'm meeting are, they're looking to be more passive investors. Right. They have jobs. They really don't want to go check yep. on contractors. They don't really want to do much of anything other yep. than get yep. like a return. Um, so I do a standard JV or I'll offer a percentage on a certain amount that they loan. Mm -hmm. um, and there's always more than enough room in the deals that we're taking down. So if they choose to stay on as an equity partner, they have that option. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I know a lot of people are scared of getting investors and how do you deal with it and how, what percentage to pay them mm -hmm, out after? Mm -hmm. Like how long do you usually have these deals going on? For? Um, so I set up two-year contracts, no payments. Um, just that's what was recommended to me as I was reaching out to mentors online. And they're like, you know, you don't want to be in a position where you are renovating or you're in the middle of something and you still got to have payments going out. It gets really messy, really fast. Um, but I'm, I'm super basic. Like I don't like complicated. Um, so I just do a simple like personal loan agreement if that's what it calls for in that, um, 
for that deal. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there. somebody's just lending you a certain mm -hmm. amount of money and you're going to guarantee them X a percentage amount of return back. Yep. or X amount of equity share. Yep. 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 And we create that. Um, and this is just the personal note. Yep. 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 Yeah. And we create it's that almost one. instantly through using the property management system that right. I designed um, as well as um, project managing versus hiring contractors. So that's a huge component for my system. Um, contractors, they have to charge 10 to 15% of your total budget because they have overhead. Right. Well, you as a project manager, don't you don't have any of that overhead. You just got to know what to buy, how to buy, right. and, you know, be willing to communicate with subcontractors and, you know, a lot of day labor. Huh. So in your value add is that you're like, hey, I'm going to take over this project and I'm going to run it. So you have some investors that, like, once the project's set up and it's cash flowing, then you're just giving them a payment back that essentially way. yep okay yep and they get quarterly uh disbursements okay. based on that okay huh that that's interesting that makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. like i said i'm simple like i mean I've, I've i've been through some really interesting like processes where you know you got to have your waterfall set up this way and if it's not structured this way it's insanely complicated and confusing and you got to have an attorney to set all that up yeah. and it doesn't have to be that big like early on so recommending for people's first deals just go out there and ask people in your phone and if they don't know they know somebody you know somebody yeah so you got the duplex in 2019 and then you jump straight to commercial because it's only that's only been three years ago yeah I, yeah it was it was kind of a big jump um i called uh another one of my mentors so through that process of reaching out to 200 people it wasn't that everyone said no i got a lot of amazing information and I did get a ton of people that like supported in other ways. Yeah. Um, and one of them was a commercial broker, a very good friend of mine. Okay. And so he's like, hey, man, here's how a commercial deal works. And you see these numbers? Well, they make a lot more sense. Um, and the value on commercial real estate is very different than residential. If you get rents increased 100 bucks across a six unit, um, you know, in 90 days, well, the value of that, depending on cap rate, um, could be 75 to 100,000, oh, yeah. $150,000 in added value, like instantly. You're basically right. forcing appreciation. You're forcing appreciation, yeah. which there's you no, can't do with residential. There's no uh, comparison approach. No, no, no. Um, the comps really are just in the buy, Yeah. you know, and even that, if we know that we can go in and increase rents, um, I focus on properties that have laundry rooms, that have space where we can add storage. Uh, mm. And it's nothing fancy. It could be just couple two by fours and like a lock and that's enough storage for a lot of people um you know and so those those kind of approaches and looking at like less conventional ways to increase the uh income and decrease the expenses that's kind of where the magic happens on those deals what are some of those creative ways of uh increasing income um uh jeffrey taylor has an amazing book the landlord survival guide mm -hmm. and when i read that it changed everything for me um, he has an approach that is, he calls it, uh, I want to say it's a three-star approach. So he says three-year contracts. Once you're with him that first year, you get a special gift, whatever it is. It could be a ceiling fan. It could be some added value in the home that makes your life a little easier. Um, and so I took that approach. And so I use things like the ring doorbells. Um, that's an extra 15 bucks a month. And, you know, you pay a hundred bucks for it to be installed. Well, I buy them in bulk for like 60 bucks. Yeah. yeah. So after six months, it's paid for itself. Um, heated floors. A lot of people don't do that. I'm very unique in that. Um, I heat all my bathroom floors. And if you want that as a feature, all we do is take off the wall plate and throw the thermostat on the wall. 
and that's an extra 50 bucks a month. Oh, because you have ready to have it installed. Exactly, exactly. We renovate as soon as we get keys. Okay. So as long as there's no one living in um, in the property, we go ahead and renovate, bring I mean, it up to our standard. Maybe 1% of rentals in Portland have that feature. And that's those are typically the estates, like the, like the estate houses. Nice. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. And so I looked at, and what I do for getting my game plan for rehab is I go to Street of Dreams and I go to custom home builders and I look at the very top of the market and then I try to find ways to affordably integrate that into our residential huh. world. That's brilliant. Yeah, I love that. And then, yeah, so that way you can kind of like tear up and, mm -hmm. you know, maybe someone got a raise at work or whatever. Oh, mm -hmm. maybe now you want to add the heated yep. floors or now yep. you want to add the doorbell or whatever. Yep. And so we pre-equip these features. And mm -hmm. then if when you're ready for them, man, we pop in and hit a button. And, you're and how did so how did you learn the construction trade or the rehab trade? Because, uh, you know, it's one thing to buy you know, something that's like cash flow and it's all set up and ready to go or new, but it's a totally different animal if you're doing value add, mm -hmm. which a lot of time is kind of how you have to do these projects. How did you get to that point where you could comfortably manage a, a team or? I'm still super uncomfortable. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> like it, it doesn't, doesn't get easier. Managing people is yeah. complicated, um, but it, it came down to the duplex. So I did not have a penny to my name. Like I said, I got the grant, the down payment money from Wells Fargo and I scraped everything together I could for, for that. So I sure didn't have a dollar for right. rehab. Um, so I had to learn on my own. Like at that point I had to get in there and install flooring. We had to paint, we had to learn how to patch drywall. We yeah. had to learn how to put in can lights. Right. Um, and with that, we had to find the simplest ways. So I right. call it the DIY approach. Oh, yeah. You gotta have DIY ways to get right, some right. of the stuff knocked down. Just go on YouTube, a lot of hours on YouTube. Yeah, dude, that's exactly what it was. Um, I watched a ton of guys on YouTube um, and that, that, that was it. Just a ton of YouTube videos and then just try it. And talking to the guys at Lowe's and Home Depot, man, they, yeah. they know, a lot of them know their stuff. They were uh, contractors, a lot of them, and they're just retired and they want something to do. So. Right. Huh, interesting. And so do you use like one main contractor team now or do you have a bunch of handyman type guys? So it started off as a bunch of handyman um, and now they, you know, they work pretty cohesively together. So now I can make one phone call and like they know how to delegate different tasks internally okay. now. So you've got your um, own kind of personal team. And essentially they're all subs. I don't have a contractor. Um, oh, yeah. a lot of money. It's substantially like yeah. $30,000, $40,000 per rehab. And that's, you know, partially where we get the return for investors is being able to like, we know we can cap that in there and like kind of wedge in a discount. Because you have to do game plan every time. For exactly. It's just copy paste at this point. And can I ask, like, where are these units at and what kind of, what class were they when you started? Are they C class, B mm -hmm. class? Because it seems like you're turning them to A class if they have heated floors. I mean, I'd love to be an A class. Um, <laughs> you know? Um, a lot of them are like, we're kind of scattered. Um, I've got some, some things in Gresham, um, and kind of out in those sort of secondary ish markets from the main Portland area, mm -hmm. um, for various reasons. Um, but I like to be in the edges of Multnomah County, um, because it's still reasonable and we aren't under a lot of the same kind of stipulations. So we have a little more kind of room to move Is around outside of Oh yeah, outside of yeah, Monroe County. I get that. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> no, we, um, we know that we know the issues of Monroe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah, that um, as far as building class, I try to buy uh, D class properties D? that are in C plus, growing C plus neighborhoods. Mm. Um, and I cheat, man. I I look for Starbucks and Target. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, like, no. if there's not a Starbucks or a Target within a mile and a half, I don't want to be there. Yeah, I had a buddy who only buys investment properties within a mile of a Whole Foods. Smart. 
Yeah. That's smart. I mean, well, they spend you they're know, doing hundred million. Already, yeah, right? they spend a hundred million dollars a year to figure out what are the best growth tracks. Yeah. You know, what's the, what's the uh, path of progress? So might as well piggyback on them. Yep. Stay away from Walmart's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> great deals, not great neighborhoods. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. So you know, with these properties, obviously, when you say D, like like you know, mm -hmm. you're fixing them up. Sometimes I notice like. Things are rough outside. Like, how do you deal with like a culture change of a, a property? Definitely. So I was taught very early on that you cannot change a neighborhood. You can change a property. Yeah. So when I'm looking for these neighborhoods, um, I have a multi-level approach. I visit the properties at three specific times. Uh, once at about 11 a.m., uh, once about 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, and then once at 2 a.m. 2 a.m. Within those three times, I know more about that neighborhood than the local police. Yeah. I can tell you where the crime's at. I can tell you where the headaches are. I can tell you who is and isn't working because their cars are either there or they're not. Mm. Um, and with that information, that, that kind of helps me figure out, okay, is this a viable neighborhood? Um, can we actually ride it out if it's rough? But we try and stay into the C class and like upper. And it's like, is there a... Their rent, their book of rents and everything. Is that correct? <laughs> oh, never. Oh my God. Now back to those shoebox landlords, yeah, man. Exactly. Nine times out of ten, um, on the the four or five complexes we tried to take down. Well, yeah, and it's like, oh yeah, you know, this uh, per, the unit four has been paying, you know, on time every month. Well, show me a rent roll. Well, I don't really have one. <laughs> I'm like, okay, then we can't really value this that way. So it's it gets a little dicey. No, it's funny, like. It's such an easy thing to set up to like even if I don't have your system, I can go on apartments.com mm -hmm. and set up a free account and it's just all there. They can pay online and it's completely free. It's so painless. And um, you know, but that for us as buyers, that's kind of where like our hidden gems are. Um, when you're working with the shoebox landlords, because their systems are so crappy. A lot of times you can go in and find instant value. Yeah, and you they know? scare people, other True. people off. They scare landlords who are like, I need all my paperwork. I need right. everything to be perfect. Right, right. So, so that, it, in, a, in a sense, it kind of puts us in a, a bit of a niche pocket. Yeah. Um, and it, realistically, if you're five units to under 25 units, you're kind of like in the mom and pop realm mm -hmm. anyway. So you're, you're, you're more typically going to see, you know, really, really bad record keeping um, if you're lucky, you'll get like a husband and wife and the wife was super anal retentive and kept notes. But most of the time you're making your own. Um, and I don't trust pro formas. So that's like, no, no, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just don't so trust them. I was like, yeah, I don't think this is going to really make yeah, this It's a life. suggestion. It's more of like, hey, in the perfect world, it could be worth this. Right. Um, so you Not really exactly got to. an uninterested party that's giving you the. Typically. <laughs> uh, but you just got to do your own expenses. And that's not hard. You know, you call the trash company and say, hey, give me an idea of what trash pickup looks like in this area. Um, I call the cable, or not the cable, I call the power company, I call the water company. They can't tell you account specifics, but right. they, can, they can give you a ballpark. Right. Um, and you just go through your list and you make your own. Um, and I I've sat on the phone with property managers and like, here, listen, let's go lease by lease mm -hmm. and tell me what the income is. And that's how I make my own profit and loss statements because right. theirs are usually like non-existent or horrible. Right. And so at this point, now that you've got a pretty decent sized book, are you, do you hire out any of this work, the management side, or is it just all you that's reviewing all this stuff? Yeah. So to touch on the management piece, uh, my system is like 98% automated. Mm -hmm. um, and so... As people come in the funnel, um, it, it automatically does background checks, you know, and all of that it doesn't cost us anything. It just comes out of their application um, or it comes with them when they're filling out the application. Um, so there's really little that I actually do other than, you know, 
glance down this list of four or five applicants mm -hmm. and who pick the person, yeah, pick the property, mm -hmm. and as long as they make sense and you know it's it's viable for them and viable for us, we go ahead and and, and knock it down. Uh, but ideally, when I get to, in order to get to 100 doors, I got to pass the key off to somebody else. Yeah. Like I have to let someone else manage. Um, and that's kind of the space that we're we're navigating now, is just building a team and educating more people. So it's kind of a, a trusted handoff instead of just blindly like, here's keys, figure it out. <laughs> and and so about this PCC program you took, if someone was wanting to get into the property management field, would you would you recommend that program? Did it entirely? Did it, kind of, did it put you in a position to it, succeed? It it changed so much for me because you know they say you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, I didn't realize how many ways there were to get sued. Like <laughs> that's that's primarily the program is like here's how you don't get sued. You know, and there's so many ways. You know, dealing with discrimination, fair housing, tenant landlord law. It's not designed for us to be successful as owners or landlords. So you really have to kind of navigate that space really delicately and like I said most most shoebox landlords don't know any of this information and they've been our landlords for the last 20 years well and that's what I always tell people that are kind of worried about that piece is like hey you know when there's when something's a little bit more challenging it creates opportunity right definitely because there's a lot of people that don't want to be doing it uh, doing what you're doing and so there you go um, and do you retain Speaking of liability, do you retain an attorney? That Definitely. Yeah, okay. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was the very they, first they person. over kind of everything. Yep. And we have errors and omission coverage. So if something's missed somewhere, you know, we're not worried about the massive liability because, I mean, they can they can kind of get in there. Right, right. So. Can, can I ask, have you had any, you know, legal issues with your tenants no. or anything? Or any, no. Any evictions or any... any Anything that's not not at this point. Um, again, we're so like specific with the people that we rent to, and all my properties came with tenants, so I haven't had a whole lot of like hunting that I've had to do. Okay. So that's an interesting handoff. Uh, when do you do that turn like that turnover where you said like you got some people out and then mm -hmm. you like do the heated floors and the renovation? Yeah. Um, typically, at the end of their contract, a lot of the ones we're um, we're, we're finding are month to month. Um, and so if it makes sense for the family, you know, we'll give them a little extra cash for cash keys. keys yeah. so, you know, that's still the go-to. Um, mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, I don't want, I never want to displace anyone. Sure. And so I want to ensure that you and your family can go on to whatever the next success is for you. Um, very few landlords have that mindset. They're like, get the hell out and just, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, but that, that makes a pretty big uh, difference. You know, here's a little extra for you guys and, you know, you're good and we're good and they're happy. A lot of times they're happy. Yeah, they get a little bit of money, and then you're basically gauging like I could raise my rents like substantially. Know, like, yeah, yeah. Substantially it, it, it's usually really massive. It. Yeah. And how do you do that calculation of like whether it's worth it to renovate to raise rents that much? Like, let's just say it's going to go up five hundred bucks. Is it worth it to renovate for you? Um, so that comes back to our DIY renovation approach. Mm -hmm. um, it only costs me about seventy five hundred bucks to renovate. Wow. Anything under twelve hundred square feet. With so it's a two bed, one bath. Oh yeah. I need your contract. Um, I got you, man. I got you. I'm a wealth of knowledge, man. I'm here for it. Um, but that that helps a lot. You know, uh, most people are spending that on the kitchen. Yeah, you know, yeah. And that's the yeah, that's the entire house. So that's kitchen, bathroom, paint, flooring, trim, can lights, all the above. So this seventy five hundred dollars uh, includes like brand new cabinets and everything. Everything. Oh, and countertops. Everything. No, 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 wait, 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 let me roll it back, uh, for mica countertops, okay. um, and that's what's most common in our market here, yep. but we just came back from Vegas, and they mostly have granite and quartz countertops, mm -hmm. so it's it's kind of market dependent. 
mean, Formica is strong, you know, it's good. And it lasts a long time and it's yeah. super cheap to fix. And I actually replaced the Formica on my original, on that duplex. Yeah. You, you can go buy the sheets from Lowe's and they're like 36 inches wide by like 20 something feet. So you can do an entire house for 300 bucks. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. That's yeah. Crazy it, it's super simple. And how do you, how, you just kind of, did you have to have yeah. a special tool to cut nah. it or anything? No, nah, razor blade. You just do it all yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Razor blade and a router to keep the edges clean. Yeah. And that's it. Wow. Nice. I gotta give that a try. Yeah. Yeah. I think the last one I bought uh, quartz countertops and I was like, oh, this is so expensive. Yeah. I uh, When I do my renovations and I am doing quartz, I go remnant pieces. I'm going to go to the granite warehouses and I'm going to look through and show me what's broken that still fits. Yeah. And we may modify cabinet sizes to make it work. Um, but that's that's kind of my go-to, and we're like under a thousand bucks for like a kitchen and, a, and one bathroom. No, oh, that's great. I think I had a slab of like four feet that I couldn't use on every single kitchen because I did three renovations at once, and I was like, wow, I would have loved twelve feet of a uh, right. you know, quartz slab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's um, kind of the long-term plan or goal, or where do you see yourself in the next sort of five years? Wow, five years seems so far. <laughs> um, definitely surpassing that 100-door count. Um, I, I see that as happening sooner than later. Mm -hmm. um, and I primarily teach people how to buy their first multifamily, so that in itself I would like to see grow kind of substantially and just partnering with people like you gentlemen. And But you're not a real estate agent? No. Okay. No, no. So, but you just – I feel some like, type of way about agents. Yeah. But <laughs> it's really? not their fault. It's not their fault. It's how they're trained. Not all agents. Not all agents. <laughs> Investor agents do not count. Right, okay. right, right. Okay. Okay. So you want to help more people. And then what else? Like what, I mean, once you get that sort of passive income to a certain yeah, yeah. point, what's the, what's the next move? Um, so one of the large ministries that I'm a part of, uh, we teach youth multimedia and production. So we teach them how to do everything from photography, um, design, um, art, every, pretty much anything in the creative space. Um, and I've been doing that for about 12 years oh, wow. now. Um, so I would see myself probably directing that program full time. Okay. Um, and just spreading that out to, to more young folks. So nice, nice. Um, and yeah, if Stephen, you had any? Yeah, I was gonna ask. Like, obviously, I want to kind of hear your process. If someone was asking, how do I get started in real estate investing? Oh, what, yeah. would you, what would you tell them? Definitely. Um, so somebody starting com like completely green and knew absolutely nothing. Um, I would say the best place to start is utilizing the bigger pockets calculators. Um, and analyze 100 deals, whether you're going to invest with, some, with someone or whether you're going to manage that. Um, learn how to process these numbers and understand what some of these, how, 100 case yeah, studies. How, how does this affect that and how does this purchase price affect the back end because very few investors like process exit strategies. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge component for me is how do we dispose of the real estate if we're not going to keep it. Right. Um, and just starting there, that's what I did. You know, I watched a couple webinars and like, hey, man, you got to analyze 100 deals. So I would analyze 100 deals a day. So you were forced to buy a bigger pockets pro then? I'm definitely a pro member. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to the like, team over there. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, they give you like three for free. Oh, yeah. It was like an instant thing for me. And I was I was processing 100 a day. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Holy cow. In a different markets, just trying to learn. I didn't know what I didn't know. So mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, well, how does this work? Um, and it tells you a lot about if you're looking specifically in one market, what are the building materials? Um, what's the quality of the properties that like you're looking at? And, you know, it may not be granite countertops. It may just be Formica. Cool. Um, my motto is refinish, not replace. Yes. So if there's wood, don't throw that away. It's super expensive. 
paint it. Like painting a kitchen is eight hundred to fifteen hundred bucks yeah. in, in most markets, um, and you can add little hinges, little soft close hinges to those cabinets. Just new handles, everything. Looks That's fresh. it, new handles, and now it feels like a forty thousand dollar kitchen. You know, and it didn't and cost how you a lot. How bad those cabinets are. Mine are pretty bad. Yeah, if they're, if they're that bad, you got to <laughs> yeah, toss I got, them. Nineteen seventies cabinets. It's so. probably time. Yeah, yeah, it's probably time. But if you're if you're in that wave of like newish construction yeah, that happened from like stuff, the, the yeah. late nineties, like two thousand and six, oh, you're probably nice. okay. Yeah, those just are paint them. Paint. Yeah. Just paint them. Yeah, yeah. Same with trim, and you know, save all your baseboard trim for window trimmings and things. But I mean, it's ugly to have the little three inch trim on the floor, but yeah. you know, that and if you are going to replace it, that that block trim from Home Depot, Home Depot is pretty cheap, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, all you need to know how to operate is one of those chop saws, right? Good. That's it. And I mean, you can buy one of those at the pawn shop. I bought all of my tools at the pawn shops, by the way. Oh, really? All of my tools, yeah. Miter saws, like, I probably bought forty thousand dollars worth of tools from pawn shops for like eight grand. Hmm. Interesting. And what about, so are you only in Oregon then too, or do you have stuff out of state? Um, just Oregon currently, but we're looking um, Nevada, um, Texas, mm -hmm. uh, Florida, um, just because the purchase price uh, is so much better and the rents aren't super far off. Right. Um, and it, you know, it, it, it makes sense to, to look remote. So I wouldn't recommend it for the first time investor because you yeah. got to really understand some of these systems and processes before you jump into that. Um, but that's where things like my property management system come in play where I don't have to do much, you know, physically with the property. Once the renovation starts, you know, I use company cam, um, which every so many hours, the contractor on site that day or the sub on site that day has to just submit what they did. Okay. So I can be in Tahiti and right. I'm getting updates like, okay, updates, yeah. the painter painted three rooms. Okay. The kitchen cabinets have been painted. And That's super nice. Because mm -hmm. I mean, you might be there. And right. they won't give you those updates. Right, you have to right, ask right, for it. right, yeah. right, right. So I require that of myself. And they were the, uh, most of the time, people are okay with that. You know, if they can operate a cell phone, they can like click. Right. It's an app. It's Maybe really the first simple. time they use it, they might be annoyed. Yeah, but yeah. And there's a phone number they can call to figure that out. Like, don't call me because I'm not here for that. Like, yeah, call <laughs> I'm them. Tahiti. I'm drinking. Right yeah, now. like come on, man. I'm on my ties, man. In beach body season. Like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, if people are trying to get a hold of you or find you, how can they find you? Um, so I can be reached either at our website, uh, PlatinumRealtyPDX.com or um, our office number, 503-205-3797. And you can text us, call us, leave us messages. And we're here to help the next generation of investors get into some stuff. That's great. What about Instagram? Do you do you live on Instagram? I'm not on the socials. No. Not on the socials. And 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 one of my business partners is a social media coordinator, and she's just like hounding it into me. Like, there's no way this is gonna. You have to do social media. I'm like, all right. I've never been a big fan of social media, but it opens I mean, a lot of doors. People would like to probably like to see your remodeling. Yeah. You know, your before and after. Yeah. And kind of hire you yeah. to do it. They, hire like, right. you to do your social. Yeah. Media well, hours. we are. Yeah. That's what yeah, we're working on say, now because so. I'm not good at it. <laughs> but it's it's critical. You know, one of my another one of my business partners. You know, he uses it for for fundraising and capital. Mm -hmm. Um. And to be honest, I've fundraised and cap. And you know, when I was online, and it, it it makes a huge difference because it's not as common to come across like-minded people anymore. Yeah. You know, it's almost always going to be on socials. So. Mm -hmm. It is critical. You got to be on the socials. You got to blast it out there. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon Turner, freaking David Green, all those guys like blast their right. syndications and everything. Right. Over. So we're ready for you to be on. <laughs> hey, I'm on the on way. Social. Look, by the next episode, I'll be on the way. Right. 50 doors in. All right. Great. Okay. I'm, I'm ready. ready for that rehash. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, man, for coming on the show. We we learned a lot. I really, really appreciate your time and um, sure. looking forward to the next one. Definitely. Thank you, guys. Glad to be here.
Thanks for tuning in to the Realized Gains podcast. If you have any questions for our co-hosts or guests, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com.